Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Um, so I wanted to do today as a, a small follow-up of probably many follow-ups that will come after um, last Sunday. Uh, Jeff took a big task of tackling a lot of information and uh, I thought he did a great job. And so now I'm gonna take a very small piece of what uh, Jeff spoke about and just try and expand on it and then maybe see if we can have uh, some really good dialogue about what we see today for, from the word and, and hopefully maybe we can have some more questions and to keep looking and searching and challenging the word and, and how it practically looks for our church. And so uh, there was two questions this week that in, inspired the search for me. Um, and the first question that I wanna talk about today is what kind of messages do prophets speak? Um, I felt as we were in our dialogue last week, um, including myself, I felt like we didn't really have much of a consensus on sort of what even do they talk about? Is it more predictions? Is it more, um, you know, sinful things, different stuff like that? It seemed that we weren't all totally on the same page. Um, the second question that I wanted to um, address as well is how do we know who are false prophet, prophets? Because I think this is very important because if we are going to have this as a practice in our church, then we definitely need to know uh, and make sure that the person that is prophesying is definitely legitimate. So with prefacing that, our, the, what I wanted to start off with was just the uh, Greek word for a prophet. So I'm not necessarily going to um, tackle the pronunciation of this Greek word, but you can, you can see it up there yourself. And the definition means one who speaks forth with the inspiration of God. So one thing that struck me from this understanding initially was that it doesn't necessarily cap itself into a specific type of word, but actually it's the source of who is giving the word. And I think that is important for us as we dive into more passages, just understanding it's actually who's the source of who is giving this word to the prophet. So now what I've done is I've found eight, um, eight examples of prophets and the types of words that they speak. Now I'm sure there may be more, but I thought these were good categories to, to start with and um, I'm going to throw every passage up that we can see and uh, you can write these down if you want to check them out later as well. So the first one, first category is futuristic predictions. And I found one in Acts 11, verses 27 to 28. And it says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem and Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. So very clear here, we see a prophet named Agabus. Through the Spirit, he's predicting to, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Paul and and uh, there that there will be a famine and they um, react to this later on in Acts. Number two is direction and guidance. And we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 5. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Hereth. That's a good example there. 
Number three, we see a warning of danger. Acts 21, verses 10 to 12. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, here he is again, came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So we see here, he's actually, this is a more of a warning of physical danger towards an actual person. Um, the interesting part of this, if people have read this story, is Paul actually doesn't even care about the prediction anyways. He just goes in and gets bound, which is kind of interesting. That's a little side note there. Number four, uh, we see judgment. So Amos uh, chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not relent, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees, because they have been led astray by false gods, the gods their ancestors followed, I will send fire on Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Number five, a reminder of what God has done. So this was actually just a couple of verses after his judgment that he spoke. He says, Yet I destroyed the Amorites before them, though they were tall as the cedars and as strong as the oaks. I destroyed their fruit above and their roots below. I brought you out of Egypt, led you 40 years in the wilderness, and give you the land of the Amorites. Number six, confronting or exposing sin in a believer's life. So many of you are familiar with this story. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. And I just took a snippet of verses 5 and 7. It says here that uh, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who, um, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. So this story, if you've forgotten, is the story of David um, killing um, um, Uriah. That's right. And, um, and now Nathan was actually sent by God to confront David about this sin. And, um, and so, yes, so we see that here. So number seven, we see edification, exhortation, and consolation. Revelations chapter two, verse one to seven. I just took a small snippet of verse two and three. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So we see a very positive and uplifting message in that cross-reference. And last, I have the call to repentance. So we see this in Jonah chapter three, verses seven to eight. So this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God, and let them give up their evil ways. 
and their violence. This is a cool story because Nineveh actually does repent. And God uh, does not bring his judgment upon them. So these are some examples of many different ways that um, prophets can speak about many different things. And wanna, I wanted to bring this up with us today because if we were to have someone with the gift of prophecy speaking in our church, these are some of the things that we can expect to be spoken. Um, and I just wanted to show you um, some of these prophets that have spoken these types of things. And so the next thing I wanted to just touch on quickly is just a couple reminders of just um, from some of the conversations I had earlier in the week. I know some people were a bit nervous of prophesying and, um, and that makes sense. I think it's a very wise thing to be cautious um, because there is many warnings which we will see um, about false prophets and the harm they can do to your church. And the um, conversation I had with Callie was really great. She reminded me of um, the false prophet Joseph Smith, who, with his vision, and you can see how a false prophecy can actually um, really create a lot of destruction and lead people very far away. And um, the interesting thing is that what we'll see is if if he was able to take his vision, which he saw, and talk to his church and his leaders, and they were to actually show him that it doesn't line up with Scripture and doesn't, then they actually would have um, helped him see that it wasn't from the Lord, and he wouldn't have fallen away. Um, and so I just wanted to help remind you with a couple of verses here that prophecy isn't, um, we, we need to be cautious of it, but it's also a really great thing. So in Remember in um, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12 when all the, the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. And um, we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 um, verse 3 is, is to edify and exhortate and consolation for the church. And the, the really nice picture as well we have from God is that there's to be order when we are doing it as well. So it's not chaotic. 1 Corinthians uh, 14 verses um, 29 to 31. And it says here, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So we get a really nice picture here of God saying, if we use this correctly, if we, if we set it up and use it in the order it's made for, we can really benefit from this as a church and grow and um, really see what God has for us as far as a message. So the second question that I wanted to touch on was, how do we tell who are false prophets? And so I have four verses that we'll go uh, and we'll just read. And I'm sure there's many more. I just chose four. And they have a small piece that's uh, a little bit different that we can see it, and we can partially use this as an analysis as if we were to hear a prophetic word from someone. And we can kind of use it as a guideline as 
these, these, as a person would prophesy. So the first one I have is Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. And in the category is this idea of an outward versus an inward appearance. And here Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So this could mean um, a couple different things, but you definitely would be able to tell that the person that may be speaking, we can definitely say that the inward, whether it's motivation, whether it's their behavior, their spirit, would not be the same that matches the outside that we see. Um, and that would be one aspect that we could categorize a false prophecy if someone was speaking. Number two, um, this person would be, they would deceive. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, uh, it says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, a lot of these will have similar um, foundations in them, but again, Understanding if they're going to deceive us, it's to deceive us from what, and that would be deceive us from the word. So they would be, they would be um, not lining up with what the word would be teaching, even though they are again giving this almost outward appearance of these amazing signs and wonders that could almost just grab you right in and uh, take you away from what the word actually teaches. Number three. Um, we have a secret heresy or denying the Lord. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But there will also be false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So again, as we each time we read another verse, we can start to see clear and clearly how we can easily set up a guideline for people that are speaking. So I find the secretly introducing destructive heresies very interesting because secretly meaning it's very hard to tell. Very, it would be very difficult. And so again this is where we need to do our diligence and stay strong and challenge people that would be speaking up. Um, but also we want to encourage people to as well. Um, and again, very obvious if uh, someone is denying uh, Lord Jesus, that, that's very um, evident and we can see that. Um, last one I have here is teaching a behavior against God's word. So Revelation chapter 2 verse 20 says, Nevertheless, I have, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So again, very obvious when we have, if we would have someone standing up and speaking and promoting a behavior or a teaching that is actually contrary to what God would actually ask of your heart and of your life. And last one I have here is... Um, one that uh, Dan actually gave to me, and it's for him, is one of the most strongest ones that he uses. And part of this is more about confirming a prophet more than it is, I guess it could be um, finding out whether someone is a false prophet as well. And um, 
So it would be prophet confirmation is in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. And there it says, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. So two things here stand out to me. One is that none of his words failed. So as a person speaking and prophesying in our church, none of their words can fail. If one word fails, you are, no, you are a false prophet. There is no room for error. And number two, the other thing that stands out to me is that there is this idea that we are to confirm our prophets to the Lord. So as their words come true, we are more confirmed and affirmed that we have a actual person that is prophesying in our church. So with that, um, I'd be interested to see what you guys say. Um, if you have any more questions, we'll, I'll try to have my best to answer them. And um, if, we, if I can't, we'll write them down and we'll answer them another time. Maybe Roger will. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you that you're not a confusing God, that you're very clear and you have guidance for us. And I pray that you can continue to soften our hearts towards the spiritual gifts. It's a very tricky subject. Um, I know I'm very uh, nervous on it. I, uh, I just feel like you, your word is the most tangible thing I can have, but clearly you say there is a place for gifts and it, um, it can help us further our relationship with you and with and each other spiritually. And so just keep working in us and guiding us in your word. And um, we look forward to hearing from you in the future and spending time with you this week in Jesus' name.